This is Incredible Stories Podcast, Episode 24, Olga of Kiev. Don't mess with the bee. Hello, everyone. It's time for another Incredible Stories podcast. I'm Josh Virla, your enkindled host, and thanks for being here. You know, there's a saying, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. Anyone who has upset their girlfriend, wife, or just any female in general might have been on the receiving end of some wrath. I know I have. But this age-old gem of wisdom could just as easily been rewarded to Hell Hath No Fury like Olga of Kiev. Although she is also called Saint Olga, this chick be crazy. And count yourself lucky you didn't live near her and got on her bad side. Like the Wu-Tang Clan, she was nothing to f*** with. Her story is that of revenge, annihilation, nation-building, and is probably one of the most, if not the most, diabolical and spiteful woman in history. Let me tell you about her. Here's what I know. Olga of Kiev was born in 1890 AD in Peskov, which is currently one of the oldest cities in Russia. But at the time of Olga, Russia wasn't a thing. But I'll get into that a little bit later. So, Olga grew up a happy child, I assume. There isn't too much about her early life. But she got married around 903 AD, so about 13-ish, which was normal for the time and area. And who did she marry? Some dude named Igor, who would eventually become Igor of Kiev about 10 years later. That's right, girlfriend went and married herself a future ruler of Kievan Rus. And the Kievan Rus was a loose federation of Slavic tribes forming a kingdom that is pretty much the precursor of Russia. I'll link a crash course on the Kievan Rus and Russia in the notes as it's complicated. Now, there is some debate as to the origin of the people of the Kievan Rus. One line thinks they were descendants of Vikings, and the other line thinks they were descendants of the Slavs. But no matter the school of thought, one thing was certain. They expanded and quickly subjugated their neighbors. Namely in the form of pricey tributes, or maybe protection money is a good way to think of it. So one of their neighbors were the Drevlians, whom had been paying tribute to Kievan Rus until 912 AD. And what happened in 912 AD was the ruler of Kievan Rus died. Now at this time, Prince Oleg took over the reins of Kievan Rus until his son was old enough to take the throne. His son was Igor, Olga's man. So a few years passed and Igor was old enough to rule, and he did so until 945 AD. And what happened in 945 AD was Igor was like, you know what? Those Drevlians haven't paid me a fur tribute in 33 years. Let's start that back up again. So Igor thought he would flex his muscle and took a trip to the Drevlian capital of Iskorosten, which is now called Koristan and is located in Ukraine. Well, as you can imagine, the Drevlians were like, Nah, brah, you don't step to us in our city and demand we pay you tribute. 
That was 33 years ago. And Igor was like, what are you going to do about it? I'm here. And the Drevlians answered. They seized Igor and bent two trees over, then tied each of Igor's legs to one of the trees. You can see where this is going. Then they let the trees snap back into position. Well, human wishbone. Trees are stronger than people's legs. This ripped him apart, and killing him would be a move they would turn out to regret. Word got back to Olga in the capital of the Kievan Rus, which was, you know, Kiev. Now, Igor and Olga had a three-year-old son named Sviet Oslov, but he was too young to rule, so Olga took the helm as regent until he was old enough. Okay, now the Drevlians were licking their chops. They just took out the big boss man in the region, and this widowed mother was now in charge. They thought, we can take advantage of this. So what the Drevlians wanted to do was make a power play and take control of the throne by having their own prince, Prince Mal, marry Olga. So he would become king, thus freeing them from the Kievan Rus Iron Fist. Basically, it was a hostile takeover attempt. So Prince Mal, thinking the best time to propose to a lady is right after you violently killed her husband, sent an envoy of 20 people to Olga. Hey, strike while the iron's hot, right? Ain't no shame in being a rebound ruler. So these diplomats were there to persuade Olga that marrying Prince Mal would be the prudent thing to do. Now, Olga met these messengers outside of her city walls and acted all coy. She told them she was intrigued by the proposition, but before giving them an answer, she would like to have a big party in their honor in the morning. She was like, guys, I love this idea, but since you're here, let's have a big old shindig in your honor. It's going to be cool. I'll have my men carry you in on your boats and parade you around the town, lifting you over their heads. Well, if diplomats like anything, it's pomp and circumstance in their honor. So they were like, Olga, that sounds awesome. We'll clean up and get ready in the morning. So Olga goes back inside and orders her men to dig some long, deep trenches in town. Gee, I wonder what those are for. So the morning comes, and the diplomats were all dressed up in their finest attire, smelling as good as men at that time would smell, and they got into their boats. And true to her word, Olga had her men carry the nicely dressed and smiling diplomats over their heads, marching the boats through the streets. And people cheered, and they waved, and they were having a grand old time. I bet those diplomats were laughing and having the time of their lives until they saw the trenches. But at this time, aha, it was too late. Olga had her men throw the boats into the trenches as the 20 men sat in them and then buried those men alive. I'm guessing that's a no to the marriage proposal. Point, Olga. Now, this alone would have been a badass enough revenge plot to get you some attention. But Olga, she... she had some more in mind. So after she did this, Olga had a letter sent to Prince Mal, asking him to send his best men to escort her to his palace. Now obviously, word had not got to Mal because all his people were dead. So Mal was like, sweet, she must like me. Why else would she want to come here in person? So Mal sent some of his elitist of warriors to Olga's capital of Kiev. 
And when they got there, Olga played all shy. She had a message sent to them saying, Boys, boys, please clean yourselves up before you see me. I'm an elegant queen, so the sight of burly, messy men would break my fragile constitution. Please enjoy my bathhouse and relax for a minute. Well, bathhouses back then were pretty swanky, so the grungy soldiers were like, Hell yeah, spa day, boys! So once all the warriors were in the bathhouse, Olga had her men lock them inside the bathhouses, then burn the bathhouses to the ground. All the men inside died. We're still not finished, though. Jeez, Olga! Next up on the Baddest Bitch Tour, Olga thought, You know what? I'm going to go to the Drevlian capital of Iskorosten myself. So she had a message sent ahead stating she was arriving and was hoping it wouldn't be too much trouble if she could just have a proper funeral for her late husband. Well, the Drevlians thought this was a swell idea and decided a funeral feast would be appropriate. Hey, Jimmy, this funeral party's going to be epic. It sure is, Salgagon. How much me do you think you can throw down tonight? At least enough to make Queen Olga pay notice. <laughs> you wish. Say, have you heard from our 20 diplomats we sent to Olga, by the way? I haven't seen them, and I know they are down to party. No, I haven't. Maybe they are all pre-gaming with the chieftain warriors that we sent to escort her. You're probably right, but still. Still what? Still. It's weird, right? What? You think the frail widow Queen Olga deviously planned some elaborate revenge plot for us killing her husband? Yeah, yeah. Maybe she gabbed them to death. <laughs> or maybe or maybe fluffed their pillows too high. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. That's silly. Hey, make sure you cut those carrots in matchstick size. What's a matchstick? So the Drevlians knew how to throw a good party. Maybe not so bright in the head though. But a grand feast with much food and drink was indeed partooken. Well, by the Drevlians anyways. As they were making it rain, Olga told her men to abstain from the good times. So she waited and when the Drevlians were good and drunk, she ordered her men to unleash the slaying. And slay they did. By the end of the night, they had killed about 5,000 of the partiers. Oh, the carnage. So many limbs and so many blood pools. Olga, I see you. You're up to something else, aren't you? Well, indeed she was. As if three acts of revenge wasn't enough, Olga saved her most cunning of acts for last. So the surviving Drevlian people were terrified. Their leadership had just been decimated, their spirits broken. They begged the bloodlusting queen for mercy. They said they would do anything, anything. And expecting the worst, Olga told them that she only required each house to pay her a tribute of three pigeons and three sparrows from each household. That's it? Just some birds? Well, that's easy enough. At the time, homes had lots of birds living in them. You see, they were nice and dry and made of wood and hay roofs. Pretty cozy compared to a tree. Birds loved them. 
So the people gladly gave Olga the tribute she requested. I'm sure many helped their neighbors collect birds so they could appease the angry Olga faster. Eventually, everyone had given their birds to Olga. But if you're suspecting something was about to happen, you would be right. Olga gave the birds to the men in her army, and they held the birds until nightfall. Then she ordered that each bird have tied to its feet a piece of cloth wrapped in sulfur. You can see where this is going, right? On her command, they lit the sulfur on fire and released the birds. Well, the birds flew straight back to their home nests, which were in the people's roofs, eaves, and haystacks. The fire was immense and swift. You see, everyone's house caught on fire at about the same time, and no one was able to put out the blazes. There were just too many of them. Now, while everyone was running in terror, Olga commanded her soldiers to kill some people, capture some people, and leave some people. The ones she captured were given as slaves to her followers. The one she killed was to send a message, as if she needed more messages sent. And the survivors were left behind to pay her tribute, which they did. Holy <laughs> Olga, your revenge game is on fleek. Wait, Josh, this chick was a saint, right? Yes, indeed she was, both in Catholicism and the Russian Orthodoxy. A double sainthood, y'all! But why, Josh? She sounds like a ruthless, crazy person. Well, the Kievan Rus were a pagan people, and shortly after burning the Drevlian capital to the ground, she made a trip to Constantinople, not Istanbul, where she was baptized. I guess the message of redemption and asking for forgiveness of your sins really resonated with her. Especially after her Game of Thrones-worthy bloodbath of revenge. As the first ruler of the Kievan Rus to adopt Christianity, she was instrumental in converting her people to Christianity. You see, she had missionaries come into her land, and she had a lot of sway being the ruler and all. She wasn't, however, able to convert her son, who remained a pagan, but no bloodbath there. It wasn't until her grandson Vladimir took over the throne that the Kievan Rus became an official Christian nation. Olga died in 963 AD, but because of her efforts to push the country toward Christianity, she was made a saint by the Orthodox Church in 1547, getting the swanky title of Isopostolos, which means equal to the apostles which is a pretty big compliment as far as church titles go, and much better than the one most of the Drevlian people called her. That crazy-ass bitch. And that's the story of Olga of Kiev. And now you know what I know. Now, there are badass revenge stories scattered all throughout history, but Olga's has to be my favorite. For it wasn't just one simple act, and her methods weren't as simple as, say, keying your car or slashing your tires. Her acts, although gruesome, were planned out and devastating. Perhaps if she were alive today, she might be host of some sort of non-lethal revenge reality show. I'd be a fan. And I'm sure Olga would be a fan of haikus! Don't mess with women. 
and not ones who have armies, they will burn your ass. And that's all the time this week, guys. Check out our main site for other stories on IncredibleStoriesPodcast.com. Send me an email or haiku through the website. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at IncredPod. Rate us on iTunes and peep us out on YouTube and Stitcher. For Incredible Stories Podcast, I'm Josh. And remember, the journey of a thousand tales begins with the first word. Good.